It's WNRI's Upfront. The opinions expressed represent those only of the panel and callers and do not reflect the views of WNRI and its owners. Telephone lines are now open at 7690600. And now, let's join the Upfront panel. Well, it's been a busy week on the Upfront program and continues to be. Monday, uh, Dick Bouchard was in here. And uh, then on uh, Tuesday, uh, we uh, had one of our candidates in here. And that was uh, Marlene Guy. And she's running against uh, Bob Phillips for uh, one of the district seats. And that's uh, District 50. Um, uh, 51, excuse me. We uh, don't have to worry about Steve Casey uh, in this uh, election cycle because he's uh, running unopposed. And so yesterday, Glenn Dusablon was in. He's running against Alex Kithis in District 49. Today, it's uh, Christopher Boulay, and he's... Uh, are you running for anything, uh, or are you um, uh, not running? <laughs> <laughs> Good morning, Roger. Good morning, listeners. No, I am not, not running for not any running. office right now. <laughs> I can't uh, rule out anything in the future, but right now, I am not. Okay, so we got that clarified. Tomorrow, Bob Phillips will be here, and he is running for... Uh, for re-election in uh, District 51, and we'll uh, chat with Bob tomorrow. So it's going to be a busy week. So welcome uh, Christopher Boulay to the program. He uh, is here regularly on Thursdays and talks about some of the issues of the day and uh, helps explain uh, maybe uh, some of the uh, stories that that's, um, are in the headlines, but uh, people don't know much about them. Like, for instance, student loans. Now, I don't have a student loan, and... Uh, I don't think anybody in my family uh, has. Um, my kids uh, paid for their education uh, the old-fashioned way. It's called uh, uh, pay as you go, you know. Anyway, so I got the feeling, though, that uh, this is good news for some, but I got the feeling I'm going to be paying for this. Uh, so I don't know. Can you kind of give us uh, the student loan, uh, as you know, uh, a little, little bit of history and who uh, who's the, who's the winner and who's the loser? I feel I'm the loser. Yeah, as much as uh, I try to prepare, I usually start preparing for the show on Sunday, and we I send you topics, and there's always something that's going to come up. And today, it's the uh, student loan issue, which the president had an announcement yesterday afternoon. So, as everyone knows, there's a lot of debt out there for student loans. There's about 1.7 trillion dollars and growing. What do you do? You borrow from the federal government. Uh, that money goes to the colleges, and then hopefully you get a job that will pay for that after the fact. Sometimes it does, and sometimes it doesn't, depending if you have something that's worth selling. So this has been an issue going back and forth. Some people feel that, hey, I paid for my own college. I paid for my kids' college. I didn't go to college. Why should I be paying for other people? And other people were saying, pay for everything. College should be free. And I would like to say the truth is somewhere in the middle, but I don't think anything should be forgiven. So the president made an announcement. If you'll believe the Speaker of the House, Nancy Pelosi, the president does not have this power. She said in July of 2021 that the president could not do this by executive edict. And uh, so that's been played over and over on the, on the tube. But what he said is... He wants to forgive up to $10,000 of student debt if you had a Pell Grant. So if you have a Pell Grant, you have to have certain income qualifications on the lower end, and he would forgive up to $20,000. And then he would cap that. Uh, my recollection is if you have a couple making less than a quarter of a million dollars a year, it applies to you. If you're making a million dollars a year and you owe you know, $25,000 in student debt, it doesn't apply to you. And I understand that it is $150,000 to somebody single and maybe something in the middle. Oh, I'm sorry, two fifty for head of household and also for married. So there are people out there on the left saying that's not enough. We should be forgiving everything, which begs the question. Why aren't we forgiving all car loans? Why aren't we forgiving all mortgages? Why aren't we forgiving all credit card debt? All debt should be forgiven. You can make that case and kind of put this in perspective. And then you have people saying that $10,000 is a drop in the bucket. We should be forgiving more. And the more conservative you are, the more likely, if you didn't go to college, if you paid for your own college like I did, if you paid for your kid's college like I did, you're probably not excited about this. But the way I would summarize and the way of thinking about it, there's a lot of weeds that we can get into, and we did, and we'll 
continue to extrapolate those. But I don't think you can, and again, you could argue if it's good or bad. We talked about that. We'll get into more of it as calls come in. But you can't not make a case again so you can make a strong case and you can't dispute it that it's another weakening of America. So we have people who made a decision maybe with their parents thought or, or on their own and said, okay, I'm going to borrow money and I'm going to make this investment and hopefully it's going to pay off. Well, if you do something like this thrown around like agenda studies and something you, you, you can't sell, then you're probably locked up with student debt. If you became an engineer or a, or a high-priced attorney or, or something else, you probably can, can pay it off. If you invested $200,000 in a business and that didn't uh, come to fruition, would you expect the taxpayers to pay it all off? So for me, it's, it's an issue, and I kept thinking about this all night. What about if you served your country somehow, if you served in the military, and your student loan would be forgiven if you served your country. Oh, they have that. It's called the GI Bill. That idea has already been taken. Maybe if you go and you teach in a, uh, in, a, in a poorer community that's at risk, maybe there's a way that they forgive your student loans. Oh, they have that. It's called Teach America. Maybe if you're an attorney and you do pro bono work for a couple of years where you get your law um, your, your law uh, borrowings forgiven. Oh, they have that as well. So I, I think it's terrible that, that they're doing this. The uh, camel has his nose in the tent, and there's going to be pressure from the left to, to forgive it all. And this money isn't going away. The colleges are not giving it back. They're keeping it, and it's going to go on the taxpayer. And I've heard the numbers thrown around that right now it's about $300 billion, excluding the Pell Grants, that's going to cost America taxpayers, and it's going to cost about $2,000. So it is a shift of burden, financial burden, from people who benefited from these loans to people who possibly did not. Yeah, that's exactly the way I see it. Uh, one more quick question. We have some callers waiting, and also uh, I'm sure you have other topics because you did email me on other topics, including nuclear energy. Can you imagine we could talk about nuclear energy again? We never talk about nuclear energy. <laughs> it, it never comes up on this show. Um, my question is, was this done? I mean, here it is August. Primaries are all over the place, all over the country. Oz is coming up uh, in September here in Rhode Island. November, midterms. Is this all about midterm elections? Oh, th th there's no question about it. And, you know, there's a lot of comparisons between Jimmy Carter and, and, uh, and, and Biden. And one of the things that they realize is that given enough enthusiasm, young voters will come out and vote. And one of the things that, that hurt Jimmy Carter on the 1980 election when he got crushed by Ronald Reagan is he wanted to bring back the draft. And uh, the American youth, which, again, I sound like a... Like a you know, old older person looking down, but they get certainly getting soft. But that really hurt, um, not that there was anything that was going to help Jimmy Carter in 1980, but that really hurt him as well. And as far as I'm concerned, you know, modest proposal, $1.7 trillion in debt, we should bring back, mandatory, uh, we should bring mandatory military service into this country. Um, here I am, 57, but... When I turned 18 years old, I registered down in the post office in case there was a draft, and I registered to vote. Did I want to go across the world and, and shoot somebody in defense of my country and kill them? No. Would I do that? Yes. But if you want to get rid of this, we, if you look at other countries, and I can't get off my soapbox about this, you look at Israel, they have mandatory military service. Why? Because they got a bunch of crazy countries around there who want to kill them. Also, if you're in the pilot, there's nine years. United States doesn't realize the issues that we're having in this country is getting softer and softer. And we've got issues with China. We have issues around the world. Our military is not that well supported. If you want to have your loans forgiven, uh, you should serve in the military. About a third of American youth are overweight and too fat to be in the military. Well, you know, start working out and maybe you can serve the country. This is the Upfront program on WNRI. And um, so... We will bring up one of those topics a little bit later. We'll clear a few phone calls sure. right now. All right. Let's make sure everything's ready to go. We'll get both of you on. We have two waiting. Hello there. What would you like to uh, comment on? Yes. Good morning. Hi. Good morning. 
Hello. Yep, you're, we're here. Yeah, okay. Penny Ward, how are you? Hello. Hi. There's two points I wanted to make about the student loan thing. If they wanted to help the people that had student loans, why don't they try lowering the usurious interest rates that they're charging? That would be that would probably save most of them more than ten thousand dollars. Hmm. Very good point. That, that would be one point. Um, the other one, um, I'm not sure. I think that there would be it would be better. There'd be better ways if they're going to spend three hundred billion dollars. Put it toward wages or money toward training people to be plumbers, electricians. And the tradespeople that are disappearing from this country that you can't find anymore. I think that would have been a better place to put some of that money also. You know, and it's it's funny because nobody's talking about forgiving the trades after the diatribe I made in my monologue. I didn't get to that point. But what happens is if you went and became... Say you didn't go to college and you went 18 months for a trade school and you learned how to be a plumber or a heating contractor. Then all of a sudden yeah. you work for somebody else for a bunch of years and then all of a sudden you, you create your own company, have 25 people working for you, making a couple million dollars and 6% of your income is going to taxes. You're not going to feel really good about this investment. But the trade people really don't need any forgiveness because they're able to take a, uh, make a return on their investment. I think the goal would be to get them trained, get new people trained in that field. They don't have to forgive the loans of the people that are there, but you've got to get, because you shouldn't be forgiving the loans of anybody, but you should be um, putting money toward encouraging people to train in those trades. That's my point for today. Right, and then, and then what happens, too, is where do you draw the line? If you're forgiving $10,000, $20,000 of loans now, in a year from now, if you take those loans, there's going to be incredible political pressure to waive those as well. And then once you start waiving ten, twenty grand, you're on to fifty. you you're on to everything. Yeah, that's true. Okay. Have a great Thank one. You. Thanks for the call. Call, num call number two here on the program. Your comments on the uh, upfront program, please. Good morning, guys. Yeah, and and Chris, I appreciate your diplomatic approach to the student loan issue. I think you, I, I think you're good about setting a stage where people on both sides can call. And I'm going to call on the side of them. I, I, what I call this, I'm going to call this what it is. This is legal bribery. It's bribing people for their vote. Okay. Qu I don't want to make it about me, but quick personal story. Okay. When I went to school, my spring breaks consisted of me working as many hours as I could at the restaurant. And uh, if I was lucky, I'd get one or two days snowboarding at Cannon Mountain. And I went on a Thursday because it was two for one. Right? So, and if I got really lucky, I'd stay overnight in a hotel for 35 bucks a night and get two days in. Right? That was my spring break. Right? I'd make about $900 that week because I would pick up double shifts at my restaurant. Now, I had one of the people that worked at the same restaurant. Her spring break was $3,000 trip to Cancun four years in a row, $12,000 after four years of college. Right? So this is this is just so wrong as but I'm sorry uh, but backwards and just logically you know anybody who supports this just isn't isn't sympathetic to, to anyone who has to work for a living it's just it, and it, let me put it this way if someone has fifty thousand dollars imagine Elizabeth Warren saying I'll give you fifty thousand dollars for that one vote fifty thousand dollars guys for one single vote. That's what she's doing. And in my opinion, this should be illegal. I don't know. Thoughts? Well, one thing is, and it's been brought up a little bit, I'm sure you're aware of it, uh, Nancy Pelosi, who, who's not a dummy when it comes to politics, and, you know, she may tear up speeches, but she probably understands the Constitution. Is She may not, you know, say it where it benefits, when it doesn't benefit her, but she went on a record and said July 2021 that the president can't forgive this on his own. And there's no, there's no question about it that they're trying to buy it. And their thinking is, politically, is the people who are supporting Trump, many of them probably didn't go to college anyway, so therefore we're going to lose their vote anyway. Let's try to get the young people active. But, and I was thinking about this, you can't be financially, age-wise, be in uh, this, uh, this, you know, same place at different points in your life. So here you are, 22, 23 years old, you have a couple hundred thousand dollars in debt. It didn't work out the way you wanted to. You're all for forgiving it. Then 
you're in your 40s and doing really well, maybe running a company, making a lot of money, paying a lot of taxes, you think very, very differently. And that's the issue is, are they going to appeal to enough people who just feel that there's a free lunch? And again, I repeat my point, if it's student loan, why not forgive credit card debt? Why not forgive mortgage debt? And the country, this administration already kind of did that when they started forgiving rent, yet you require the landlord to have to make his mortgage payments. So they're picking winners and losers. It's very, very difficult to, to defend. But again, as I said, it's certainly a softening of America, again, where the expectations of other people bailing you out continue to grow. But one final question, Chris. What did you do? Did, I assume you went to college, what, five years, whatever. What did you do on your spring breaks? I want to know how you spent your spring breaks. I'm yeah, curious. You know, it's interesting. Um, and I mentioned this on the air before. I had a chance to go to Brown. Brown was nineteen thousand dollars a year at the time. Bryant was thirty eight hundred. My father said, "You're on your own. You go to you go to uh, Bryant." So I paid for half of my college. My father paid for the rest. I worked. I actually worked for my father's heating contractor. I paid very very well. And when I was in college, I worked at Domestic Safe Deposit Company as an intern, working fifty hours a week. So I worked during my breaks. I did not live on campus. At Bryant, I commuted to save money. And then when I went and got all my advanced degrees, I had my companies pay for it. So there, there were sacrifices there where would I have liked to have lived on campus? Yeah, I, I didn't. Um, but but in retrospect, not going to Brown was probably the best personal decision I ever made in my life. For me, it was. Because <laughs> I wouldn't be able to talk to you. Oh, jeez. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so I, I never, I never considered, oh, poor is me. I'm not going to go to Cabo. I, I worked 50 hours a week, and I, and I, and I loved it. It gave me a skill set when I got out of college. Okay, yeah, no, okay, cool. I kind of figured that based on on knowing you from this show. That's kind of how I figured it would pan out. I didn't think you were going to say I went to Con- Cancun and dropped five grand. So, kind of what I was expecting to hear, and I'm glad to hear. It. And I think parents paying half, I think that's a good balance. You know, it's not a free ride, but hey. They were fortunate enough to pay a little bit forward for their kids, and I think that that's, I think that that's the right thing. That's what I got as well. So, yeah, and every, guys, everyone I, feels everyone feels a little differently. I've got some clients I've had for twenty years who, over that time, became extremely affluent. And but when I first met them, they said I paid for half my college, and my kids are going to pay for half. And sometimes that changes. Um, where when it came to the kids' go to college, not only are they paying for the kids' college undergraduate, they're paying for their graduate, which for me. Like I said, I told my kids, never come back to me for graduate. I, I won't pay it. But I paid. I paid for Adam and Marissa's college, and I think it's probably half a million dollars all in between the two of them. And it's going to be very difficult for them when they have kids to, to, to do that. It's, it's, good, it's, good double, it's tripling inflation, and the colleges have no incentive to slow down the, the cost of, uh, of college at all. Appreciate your call. Thanks a lot. All right. Have a good, have a good weekend, guys. Bye. All right. Bye-bye. This is the Upfront Program. I've been hanging around with you too much. There's no secrets anymore. Just <laughs> tell it as it is. Uh, what is your social security number, too? Uh, and uh, your routing number for your uh, checking. Uh, before we uh, get too far uh, into the uh, program, we have some commercials coming up. But uh, do you have a topic that at least uh, I can think about while we're on the break? Well, we've we got to follow up. You, you put in a teaser, a thing I sent to you, I think, Sunday. And there's an article a little shorter that's uh, on CNBC today. It says Japan just signaled a big shift in its post-Fuchiyama future. So people already remember there was a disaster in 2011 for nuclear power. They got crushed by a tsunami. And um, they are looking to become carbon neutral by the year 2050. And as one of our callers regularly said, they're looking to do advanced nuclear and they want to make an investment. And the feeling is that over the last 10, 11 years, that the technology is much safer than it was back in 2011. Obviously, we've had that. We had Chernobyl, I think, in 1994, if I'm not mistaken. And we had Three Mile Island in 1979. So we have had some disasters. They've been extremely few. But when they're bad, and they happen, they're really bad. But advanced nuclear, as one of our callers uh, makes the point, is, is probably the friendliest thing that we can do to the environment. And um, when I got that um, notice uh, from you about Japan, I heard another story. I didn't read it. That's why I was looking for it. Uh, There's another country uh, that's um, in the process of just authorizing the building of a new nuclear 
facility. So when it comes to nuclear, I think uh, it's a it's a bad word that's going to become less bad as uh, time goes on. The technology improves, and uh, <laughs> it's already uh, something that's worked uh, for fifty years. Fifty years it may it's longer than that, right? Nuclear power. Uh, yeah. This but, is the upfront program. Yes, yeah. go ahead. Final comment before we hit the car, the commercial. Oh no, those are the commercials, and we'll we'll start a whole new subject. All right, next uh, po- political commercial coming up next. Sabina Matos wants to be lieutenant governor, but has ducked the debates. The Boston Globe calls her cowardly. Matos must be worried about debating Deb Ruggiero. Deb is a 14-year legislator, a fighter for women's reproductive rights and marriage equality. Deb sponsored the state's renewable energy laws, and Deb is a champion for our seniors. No wonder Matos is ducking debates. Vote Deb Ruggiero for lieutenant governor. Smart, experienced, hardworking, ready on day one. Paid for by the friends of Deb Ruggiero. Honey Shop, uh, coming this fall, a lot of interesting uh, seminars or workshops. What do you want to call them? Call them what you want, but they're interesting and uh, they are very uh, knowledgeable uh, two or three hour sessions. For instance, you will learn uh, coming this fall, solar powered Halloween or fall wreath. Yeah, to light up uh, using solar power. Learn how to make pumpkin butter. Learn how to make apple butter. In a workshop, how about sourdough? When you learn how to make sourdough, you learn how to make uh, calzones and and uh, spinach pies and and bread and much more. We have advanced pasta classes coming too, uh, making hard cider, and learning how to do canning at home. Those are some of the um, workshops you can find. Go to our Facebook page and you can learn more. We're the Honey Shop at 1300 Park Avenue. But remember, too, let's get back to basics. We sell honey. And we have gifts for everyone and every budget, too. Hostess gifts, maybe a, a gift for uh, for an anniversary or something like that. Gourmet foods, body care products, face gifts, and so much more. The Honey Shop. Located at 1300 Park Avenue. Want more information on our gourmet foods, our health foods, our natural remedies? 766-1488 is our number. The Honey Shop. Let's meet for lunch or dinner at the Roast House. Their menu offers something for everyone. Seafood and chicken, roasts, steaks, and chops. Appetizers and their rotation of the heartiest soups in the area. Open Sunday through Thursday, 1130 to 9. Friday and Saturday, 1130 to 10 p.m. Now, here are some of the delicious choices awaiting you at the Roast House. The Roast House has um, has a luncheon menu, and it's available every day of the week, Monday through Saturday. Six out of seven days is, is almost every day, right? Anyway, uh, what did you like? Uh, do you like uh, tuna? I love tuna, and I, I did mention it in their ad yesterday that the tuna melt is my favorite. Fish tacos, um, another favorite over at uh, the uh, Roast House. And also you can find, uh, uh, you can have a half and half, like uh, the soup of the day and a half a sandwich. And uh, they have... Um, Again, tuna salad as one of the sandwiches. We are the Roast House, and we're open seven days a week. And if you don't see anything you like on the uh, what we would call the uh, luncheon menu, the regular menu is available. You can just have an old-fashioned burger, too. In 30 seconds, we'll resume the Upfront program. Scott McGee from the Stearns McGee team is ready. Whether you're buying or selling a home or just curious about the local market conditions, Scott would love to offer his services to you. He knows the local community, both as an agent and a neighbor, and can help you guide through the nuances of the current real estate market. So let Scott work hard for you. Your real estate experience will be memorable and enjoyable. You can reach him directly at 401 639 2906. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. How you doing, Mr. Boulay? Doing well. Good. And um, you're a financial advisor in real life, right? I am. Okay, we just wanted to clarify that. <laughs> <laughs> All right. You're not going to go to work for... Uh, for 
Fox or uh, CNBC as uh, one of those. Uh, and now, let's turn to Christopher Boulay for this bit of information. Well, truth, truth be told, I have been getting calls, uh, but I, um, I like what I do. All right. You're <laughs> staying right here at WNRI, right? Yes. Right. You like the working conditions. Uh, all right. Uh, what do you want to do now? we got phone calls and we've got topics to bring up. I don't know what to do. I'm Just... Just br- briefly, um, I, I sent in a list of things I wanted to talk about. Dr. Anthony Fauci is going to retire from public service yeah. at the end of this year. And I, I try to keep, I keep an open mind. But as you know, we spoke weekly, if not biweekly, during the pandemic and as things moved. And I think he's done so much damage to America. He lied to the American people many times. He lied to Congress about gain of function. And he's certainly not going to be prosecuted for it. But he can see that it's time to get out. He's, he's in his 80s. He's, he's a young 81. He's, he's shot. But I think the things that he did to this country, um, as we get rights to the emails that happened during it, he knew what happened in the Wahoo Institute. He um, tried to cover it up. He 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 uh, approved of that, and then he backpedaled in such a way that he there's a there's a picture on on Facebook where a gentleman is, is riding a motorcycle without a helmet by himself but has a mask on. <laughs> so that is the epitome <laughs> of stupidity and worrying about the wrong things. And when I see a picture like that, it, it makes me think of Dr. Anthony Fauci lying that masks uh, don't work, that you need three masks, going back and forth, saying he lied about masks because he thought there'd be a run on them and he wanted to protect people, um, saying that you'll never get COVID if you have a shot. In fact, he got COVID and uh, the first lady's gotten COVID like three times and she's had every shot possible. It's just a lie. And I don't want to be a hypocrite. I said on this show many times that I was all for Project Warp Speed and what they did. But to make some of the healthiest people like Navy SEALs, some of the healthiest people in the world, forcing them to take shots that they don't want to take. Um, people losing their livelihood because they don't want to have a shot. A woman, young lady from uh, California losing her scholarship because she didn't want to take a shot and it was going to make her sick. Um, he's, he did a lot of damage, and that's going to be his legacy um, doing that. Goodbye, Dr. Fauci. All right, uh, let's take a call or two, uh, and um, we'll start with you, and then we'll get to the other person. Hello there. Good morning, man. Good morning. Good morning. Chris, some uh, first-hand uh, information from Italy. Uh, they're now buying natural gas from either Nigeria or and or Algeria. So, just a point of interest. You were talking earlier, Chris, about the uh, weakening of the nation. Could you expand on what you meant by that? Yeah, uh, absolutely. Uh, American youth and America in general is getting soft. My father quit quit his job, uh, quit uh, school in eighth grade um, to help the family. Joined World War II and, and, you know, made a life for himself. And we've got a situation in America where people are demanding more and more without offsetting responsibilities. I would say if you took out a mortgage and you can't make your payments, um, you know, the bank has every interest to try to help you. But you took that responsibility. If you took out a couple hundred thousand dollars in student loans and didn't see that you weren't going to have a job that was going to help pay for that back that, that that's on you and to me like i said we've got an issue of the military being woke we've got an issue of military being weak and like i said um having people serve mandatory military like they do in other countries for a couple of years to pay your college is probably the way to go but i i think the way we look at things and how soft we are as a country is going to eventually catch up with us you know taking into into account the global situation, the global economy, the global uh, uh, world system. Uh, do you think that it's uh, by intention that they're weakening this nation and other nations of the world so that they're brought down on an equal, equal economic keel with the rest of the world? 
You mean by, by this by this administration? I, I I don't think so. If you if you ask me about a George Soros trying to uh, upset American economy and American society for whatever reason, I, I would say yes. I just think you, you've got uh, uh, a two year old pulling a tantrum and wants an ice cream cone, and you, instead of being disciplined, you give in, and that's what the Democrats are doing here, in my opinion, this administration, is you got $130 million coming from education to the Democratic coffers uh, in, the, in the last you know, year and a half or two years, and now they're being rewarded for something that is not going to be beneficial to the country, which is forgiving student loans. The, just the, the whole underpinning and weakening of personal responsibility and being responsible for your own choices is, is the thing that scares me. This is just an indication of it uh, that's out in, in the yeah, open. Manifestation. Yeah, yes, it, it right. perfectly said, yes. Yeah. Because we've had a 50% tax increase in the last uh, 15 months. It's called inflation. Uh, also increased taxes are being collected by the state and federal government with the increase in the income of our paychecks. Uh, so some people are benefiting from this inflation, which is, I see it as the most vicious tax of all. And it affects everybody, rich, poor, medium, everybody, lawyers, doctors, uh, you know, right across the board. Uh, yeah, yeah. There's, there's, there's no question that the last time it happened, there were, as we discussed, there were many reasons why Jimmy Carter lost to Ronald Reagan in 1980. I was not old enough to vote in that election, but I followed it closely at the time, and I followed it even more closely in going back. And yeah, inflation really, really hurts. But to take a simple issue. You, you buy a house for a million dollars and you have an $800,000 mortgage and that mortgage is at 4%, the house inflates up to $2 million, well, you're a lot richer than, uh, than you were before because the, the house inflated in, in terms of value. So that's one case that they're doing with the, with the federal deficit. So if, and, and I've said this numerous times, and, and, and I believe this obviously with all my heart, it's not about the national debt. It's about the, that ratio to our net worth. So if the U.S. economy was $100 trillion, which it's not, it's about $25 trillion, and the national debt was $31 trillion, who cares? Not who cares, but it doesn't matter that much. But when you have a $25 trillion economy, you have a $32 trillion debt, it, it's, a, it's a big problem. You've kind of crossed that point. So if you're able to inflate the economy from $25 trillion to $30 trillion by inflation and the debt kind of stays the same, You've actually helped the country per se, but you've done it in a very perverse way. <laughs> and people like you have noted it, you're getting crushed. Um, yes. I was delighted today. I filled up on the way here. It was three ninety nine. I feel so good about Joe Biden now. It's only $4. It was 5 and change. So, yeah, you, you make a great point about inflation. And every time I hear your voice, it brings me back to November 8th. And let's see if how people really feel about this. Thank you. Thanks so much, Chris. Thanks for the call. All right. Another call on the Upfront program. Hello there. What Hi. do you want to talk about? Good morning. I've got three points to make. I'd like to make all three of them. But first, as a technician who was trained in a technical school, right, it's bad enough that I have to train people with associate's degrees because they didn't learn as much about electronics in their college courses as I did in my trade school. But now I have to pay for the student loan to boot. Yes. And they get promoted ahead of me even though I have to train them. Yes. And to boot... I went to college, and the few things that I looked at the associate's degree program for my field in electronics, and the few things I missed, like macroeconomics, I took and got A's in. Yes. So, that, so that I got, not only do I have the technical training, but I also have the uh, ancillary skills of, of a full associate's degree, and I'm still getting passed up for promotions. I'm training people with associate's degree, and I have to pay for their, for their student loan. Yes, and now you're three points. Number uh, yeah. one. Now... Number two, everybody should serve in the military. And I'm talking about we have a modified basic training. Basically, you don't have to go into the barracks and sleep in the barracks. You don't have to leave home and your wife. But you, 
You don't have to shave your head or shave your beard, but you wear a uniform. You have to wear it right. You have to show up and get combat training. It's like a job. You go there for, for, for a month, and you get combat training, and then you have to maintain your uniform and an M16 at your house. Now, if the Japanese didn't want to invade us in World War II because we had... Uh, because everybody was on. Yep. Imagine America, everybody not not only being on, but being on with automatic weapons and having the combat training to use them. Now, no one will invade us. And also, you get the training and the discipline and so much thing. Because it's not just Americans are getting soft and weak physically, it's mentally too. And that combat training would give them the mental sharpness they need, as well as the physical strength. And you serve in the military two weeks a year till you're 65. Thank you. Number, number yep. three, Chernobyl wasn't a nuclear accident like Three Mile Island. Chernobyl is, I'm a communist big with boss, and I'm going to carry out this experiment. And everybody in the plant says I'm doing it wrong, but because I'm the communist big with boss, I'm going to do it the way I want to do it. Saying nuclear energy is dangerous because of Chernobyl is like saying cars are dangerous because someone who was blacked out driving drunk crashed one. Thank you. Thank you. Have a good day. Thanks. Thanks a lot. Yeah, I, I mean, I, I think back, and you know, I don't have a lot of regrets in life. Would would I have liked to serve in the military? And I think I think I'd be even a more disciplined person. I remember at Textron, all of the senior managers were all military, and they all of them had their colleges paid for. Most of them had their colleges paid for by the GI Bill, and they were they were they were ready for the for the for the corporate world, I think, better than, than most. And um, th there should be some serving, right? We, we Mentally and physically, we are getting softer in this country. Good morning, Roger and Chris. Sandra is uh, on the email line here. The student loan forgiveness is just a desperate ploy for votes on our dime. Like others, my nursing school fees and my brother's four years at Bryant College were not free. What other tricks do you think desperate Democrats may have in the bag of dirty tricks? Free vacations? Um, appreciate your input, Chris, writes Sandra. Yeah, there's, there's no question that it's a political ploy. That, that they're doing, they're, they're giving it back to their donors, which 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 you know is is something that they've decided to do. And I think they've done a real analysis. These people are crazy, but they're not stupid. And I think there's a lot of overlap for people who maybe didn't go to college, who own a business, and voted for support Trump. It, it's a very narrow margin. If you believe the, the actual election results, I'm not saying they're phony or not. I'm just saying if you believe them, I think it was 81 million to 75 million. So it's not like Ronald Reagan getting 49 states or Richard Nixon getting 49 states in 1972. Um, this is close. So this was strategic. And again, you've got the Speaker of the House saying in her opinion and basically as fact that the President of the United States doesn't have the power to do this. So this could really kind of be a problem, and they certainly probably don't have the ability to pass this through Congress. It depends if it's a reconciliation bill, they can do it through the Senate, but normally these things require the filibuster, which the Democrats want to get rid of, and they'll rule the day when the Republicans have a three-person majority next year. They'll be sorry they wanted to do that. This is the Upfront Program on WNRI. Thank you for being with us. Um... I forgot, I forgot which line to go to. Okay. Well, they're, they're both going to get here. Okay. We'll do this one and uh, say hello to you. Hello. Yeah, thanks, Roger. Good morning, Chris. Good morning. A couple, couple quick things. Uh, dealing with the student loans and the effect, uh, what is that going to do with the, overall, with the overall debt of this nation as far as, and the taxes is going to take to pay for it, number one. And number two is, this crypto coin stuff, they said the market crashed on it recently, and now there's, I guess, there's a reorganization in the crypto market. So, I don't know, yeah. I don't know much, much about crypto, so, I mean, it's... Two questions here. Thank you. Yeah. The, 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 the first one regarding it, it's been documented by people smarter than me that it's going, to, the way it's structured right now with the forgiveness of $10,000 in debt is going to handle about 60% of the people who have student debt, and it's going to cost about $300 billion. So... There's going to be a shift. 
Um, and I think this is going to wash itself out, according to good economists that I, that I believe, that the $300 billion is going to add to the debt. And then what are people going to do with the money they saved? They're going to spend it. So it's definitely a shift. So I think compared to the other spending programs that the Biden administration has, this is not going to be that big a deal. But if you have a payment go away, then you're, you're most people are probably going to expand their lifestyle and, and do something else with the money. So that's it. As far as cryptocurrency, I almost like to keep my hand over my ears. Um, it reminds me, and I've said this before, like the tulips in the 1400s in the Netherlands, it's going to continue going up until it's not. Um, there's been so many issues of companies who've been broken into and people have had their bitcoins and other coins stolen. And once you lose that code, the money doesn't belong to you. So what's happened is I think people have lost confidence in it. And I never, ever, and I have the support of my company who's actually leave the charge for the largest wealth manager in the world, that they don't believe in cryptocurrency. So none of my clients own it directly through me. I think it's a bad idea. And what you're starting to see is, I think, an eventual crash because you also have very powerful people who consider cryptocurrency to be a competition. And that would include all the, the uh the banks around the around the world, all, all all the central banks like the Federal Reserve and the Central Central European Bank, all consider this a threat and something that's probably not very helpful to the economy. Some see it as a Ponzi scheme. Uh. Oh, thank you, thank you, Chris. I, I think you. yeah, I, th I think I think it's there's 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 when you make an investment, you know, it's either going to go up or it's going to go down. Mm -hmm. And you're buying, and I always say this: when you buy a share of stock, you're buying it from somebody who's equally thinking that the stock is going to go down, you're thinking it's going to go up. When it comes to cryptocurrency, I like the support of UBS and they're, they're thinking, they're educating me, but the idea of somebody investing $100,000 in cryptocurrency and it being worth 30 and there's no good reason why that happened other than, well, God's will, um, I don't want to be in the end of that explaining it. So I think it's uh, a Ponzi scheme and I think it's something that most people should stay away from. We'll grab one more call before we uh, break and go to other topics. Hello there. Your comments, please. Oh, David, take my call. Yeah. I know I want to give my opinion why I'm against that uh given that $10,000. Okay. I have a grandniece. She moved, uh, they, her and four other girls went to the house in Narragansett. She had absolutely no, no help at all from her parents or her family. Mm -hmm. So she would, she went to college and she would take a job a day here, half a day there, whatever she could do. Sure. Yeah. And then She'd work the summers. She eventually went all the way up to her doctor degree. Her first degree, she ended up owing only $2,500. She, uh, she did take a year off in between her degrees. So I don't think she ended up owing much money. But she worked. She worked. And there's so many jobs today. They can, these people should take a job and go to work. That's my feeling about it. Thank you. We thank, appreciate thank it. Thank you so much. I thank mean, you. everyone's got their... Uh, their their story about how they sacrifice and stuff but like i said i i look back and i'm not sad that i didn't have vacations during the mid uh, the breaks and i worked and i remember going to cranston it was cost i was making four dollars and 25 cents an hour and the gasoline was cost me more money to get to the work than i was making mm -hmm. everyone who's who's had any success has had those stories and and we make sure Going back to the last call about the weakening of America, we want to make sure we have a society of people who recognize that hard work is the thing that's going to get you ahead and make sure that you don't always look to blame other people in this victim society that we're, uh, that we're encroaching upon. For myself, um, I paid every cent of my college, but I'm so old, Chris, that, you know, like $500 or $600 a year tuition uh, I'm feeling guilty about, you know. But um, anyway, we all have our own stories. And um, we'll um, probably share some of them when we come back from the break. Join us for another exciting Woo Sox game tomorrow here on WNRI, 1380 AM, 99.9 .9 FM, or on com. It's a Woo Sox weekend here on WNRI. We have a game uh, t tomorrow night, 7, 7 o'clock here on WNRI, and Saturday night, 
7 o'clock. Hope you can join us for Woo Sox Baseball. Yeah, now it's uh, Savini's. And uh, today is um, Thursday. They'll be open at 4 o'clock. Friday, Saturday, and Sunday they open at noon. I'm looking at the chef's specials going on right now at Savini's. And, and fried clams is an appetizer right now. And the way I look at this dish, I've had it, is you order the fried clam appetizers, just enough fried clams to satisfy your uh, feeling for fried clams, and you don't have to order the whole dinner. So you have the appetizer, and then you go on to the dinner. <laughs> like the porchetta, which is on special right now for $20. It's braised pork with fennel and garlic and oregano, and then it comes with a potato and a daily fresh uh, vegetable. The porchetta, part of our chef's menu. But you can have something more traditional, like a grilled ribeye steak, if you want, or the fisherman's platter. We are Savini's Pomodoro Italian Kitchen and Bar. Come on in. We'll be open at 4 o'clock this afternoon for uh, your dining convenience. And we'd love to, uh, we'd love to accommodate you today at uh, Savini's later this afternoon. That'll be uh, for sure. All right. Um, we're here on the um, Upfront program. We've got one more advertisement to take care of. And then we're going to be back with um, more conversation from Christopher Boulay. And uh, we're going to tell you about a new sponsor in Osmondfield called Face First. Look your best with a little help from Science and Face First Skincare in North Smithfield. One service is Cosmetic Botox for the treatment of frown lines, nasal wrinkles, and crow's feet, to mention a few. And all administered by a board-certified nurse practitioner with 25 years' experience. Call Jane Friedis for a free consultation. Services include facials, derma fillers, chemical peels, and treatment of stretch marks, just to mention a few of our skin treatments. The number to call to improve your appearance is 401-556-0605. Face First is located at 250 Eddie Dowling Highway in North Smithfield, Suite 6. This could be the start of something new. You're listening to WNRI's Upfront, a radio internet talk show. Now, let's get back to the panel. Chris Boulay is with us today and... Uh, State Representative Bob Phillips running for re-election visits with us tomorrow. All right, we've got a few uh, minutes, uh, five or six minutes, uh, to uh, talk about other matters or explore matters further that we've already delved into. What do you say, Chris? Well, one of the things I, I try to do is extremely important to me when I come on is to be fair and balanced and to try to look at things all ways. So, uh, people are complicated and... Just because somebody does something I don't like doesn't mean we can't recognize when they do something really well. So I've been asked a few times about why I support Magaziner in his job as treasurer. And there's a quick article here that came from, uh, let's see, uh, Providence Business News. And it's a little blurb, and it says that the Rhode Island pension system added $345 million in the first month of fiscal 2023 with a 3.47 return. Um, they're, they're strong numbers, and we talked about the fact, does it matter if the treasurer, who the treasurer is? But last year, the Rhode Island pension plan outperformed 98% of all the public pension funds in fiscal 2022. So you and I talked about it last week or the week before, does it really matter who's in office? One of the things that Magazina did actually did two things that affected the treasury department. One is he got rid of the underperforming hedge funds, which probably wasn't popular with his predecessor. And then... Um, secondarily, they put in a crisis management system when the market really starts at tank. Um, they'll go into defensive mode. And when you go into that defensive mode, timing is incredibly important because when you're wrong, you'll be real wrong. But under the treasurer's leadership, the pension plan has done extremely, extremely well. So I wanted to recognize him for that. The point that I was just making is that I don't support him for Congress for the 2nd Congressional District because I think his viewpoints on that level are way too liberal for me. But I can separate the, that individual. And I do want to add, since we're talking about um, forgiveness of student debt, that Magazine comes from a pretty affluent family. Mm -hmm. But he got his student debt forgiven because he went to Louisiana for Teach America. And I think he was down there for five or six years teaching at-risk kids. Mm -hmm. And he got his student 
debt waived. So I think that's something that people should pay attention to. Yeah, something like the Peace Corps. Yes. Uh, or um, volunteer. Uh, I think we called it um, the Peace Corps was international. I think uh, in uh, John Kennedy's days, we call it Volunteers in Service to America, uh, VIA. Uh, volunteers. Uh, yeah. Anyway. Um, so I agree with you uh, on forgiveness of, of debt if you do that kind of thing. So your discussion on Magazina has brought me to the general treasurer's race. And so, first of all, we have a primary between Diosa and Stephen Pryor. I couldn't think of two more uh, opposite candidates uh, than, than uh, what I would call the very formal Stephen Pryor. And the very likable James D'Arsa. And then, and then one of them is going to have to face James uh, Lathrop from, uh, I think he's from Warwick, and he, uh, South Kingstown, and he's uh, an accountant. And D'Arsa is not, and neither is Stephen Pryor. Uh, so, is an accountant, um, the accountants I know are pretty smart people. Um, maybe the Republican is the answer for general treasurer in Rhode Island. I don't know. Well, as I said, um, if yeah. I was ever to vote for a Democrat for a statewide office in Rhode Island. <laughs> Did you say if? Yeah, and, and, and so I would vote for Stephen Pryor over Dioso, but it's highly, highly, highly unlikely that I'll vote for any Democrat uh, this, this election period. So I will look at the Republican and see if he's qualified. And again, we've had... Between Gina Raimondo and, and Magazina, we've had some really, really good treasurers. And it's not my opinion when good or bad, when Magazina, my opinion, good or bad, when Magazina's pension plan and the state pension plan actually is in the top 2% of returns. Mm -hmm. That's that's something that you really can't argue with. So I just wonder whether they sit around, let's say Magazina and four or five others, and make these decisions to get to that point of being so well uh, performed on on the uh, on the plan. I mean, is it is it a real Rhode Island decision, or they just farm it out to somebody in New York? Well, they have a team, and, and I'm glad. I want to make sure I clarify this. I think the two things, I think I said this, but I probably said them poorly, is that the two things that Magazina did to set the direction was, was getting rid of the hedge funds that were underperforming, and there was a good amount of them. Uh, Gina Raimondo went heavy into hedge funds, which I support, but I don't think she called out the ones that were performing bad, especially Point Judith Capital for whatever reason. And on, also, the, he probably had an outside idea, but they, they created this crisis system where they just hid in treasuries when the market did really poorly. Anything after that, you have to look to the team he's got, which I know is a very, very good team. I personally know some of them, and they've done a good job. So is Magazine in the weeds? No. Did he set the tone of what should happen? Yes, just like he did with the 529 plan. Alliance Berenstein had a really tough time managing the money for Rhode Island before um, Invesco took over. But that was something that um, Magaziner put out there. But ultimately, did he choose Invesco? No, I think a committee did. So our listeners can sleep better tonight, though. That team that Magaziner has, because it's not a political group, there's a pretty good chance that Diosa, Stephen Pryor... Or Mr. Lathrop, the Republican, they might stay with that same team after uh, the election. Huh? Highly likely. This is the Upfront Program. Thanks for being with us today, Mr. Uh, Christopher Boulay. My Always pleasure. a pleasure. Looking forward to your next visit. Taylor Kosher, your accounting, financial planning, tax preparation, and business consulting services of Woonsocket and Warwick. 600 Cass Avenue, Woonsocket, Jefferson Boulevard, and Warwick. Call us locally at 766-8100. Remember, outside of the tax season, we do planning for business, individuals, and families. We're Kayer Kosher. We're certified public accountants. Again, our local number, 766-8100. And remember, having Kayer Kosher to consult with on your personal financial situation is like having all the right answers. And Chris, before you leave, I just want to tell you tomorrow is National Dog Day uh, nationwide. Don't you forget it. Either. I would not forget it at all. Have a good day. This has been WNRI's Upfront, presented weekday mornings at 8 a.m. Upfront is a regular public affairs presentation of News Talk 1380 WNRI Woonsocket.